Pastor Mike here. Thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time today. Uh, If you haven't already, I'd love for you to sign up for our daily email. It's a great way to start the day. It's the way that I start my day. (laughs) And it's a way to bring God's word straight into your inbox first thing in the morning. Uh, My teammates at Time of Grace do a fantastic job of giving you video and written devotions, blog posts, podcast episodes, and the occasionally fun and quirky social media posts. And all of it's to encourage you with God's amazing word. Just go to timeofgrace.org to sign up today. Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Uh, This month on Behind the Series, we're going to tackle a series some of you have heard, but most of you haven't, called What is Love? I preached it a little bit ago. Uh, It's appeared on TV before, but we wanted to run it again because I'm not sure about you, but I always need that reminder of God's love for me and the love that he calls me to show to others. Now, you're going to notice there's no video on this episode. Uh, We actually recorded it when Amber and I were just doing audio before the video part came out. So I hope you enjoy listening. Uh, And one last thing. Uh, This month, we are super blessed to share a challenge grant of $130,000 that came from some incredibly generous donors. That means that when you give to Time of Grace, your gift is going to go twice as far to help us do twice as much and hopefully reach twice as many people with the simple message of God's amazing love for the world. And as a thank you for your gift, you can request a brand new resource called God's Grace for Your Daily Life. It's a planner that's going to help you get things organized in your life but it's also gonna be filled with reminders of God's love for you as you go through life. Uh, It's brand new, it's undated, so you can start whenever you want, and it's our thank you for your gift as we try to reach this challenge grant. Hope you enjoy this episode, and God bless. Well, hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Time of Grace's podcast, Behind the Series. That's me, Pastor Mike, lead speaker with Time of Grace, and I am blessed and honored, and excited, and enthused, and Amber, what's a really cool adjective I could put in to describe how I feel about this interview? (laughs) Yeah, you got me. You had so many there. I was was uh, thinking you were really on a roll. I, I, I thought I was, and then I ran out after four adjectives. So I'm, I'm excited to be here with Amber L.B. Swenson. Uh, she's back on the podcast to help us talk about our really big, uh, exciting sermon series, that was a, a joy to, to preach at our church, and we're excited to share it with the Time of Grace audience too. So the series is called What is Love? Digging into the biblical idea of love, uh, often used and often misused word in culture today. So God is love, and we're supposed to love each other. Christians are supposed to be known in the world by the way they love, and yet some people think Christians aren't loving, that they're hateful, that they're intolerant, that they're bigoted. So what does all that mean? We're going to try to unpack that in this series, and Amber's going to help us do it. So welcome back, Amber. Yeah, thank you. Did you ever at any point think, boy, I've really bit off way more than I could chew when you do a series called What is Love? Constantly. Yeah. 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 And it's always like when you actually start to study the topic, and then you're like, oh, no, this should be an 11-week sermon series. How are we going to squeeze the messages are long enough as they are? So yeah. yeah and when yeah, God totally right. is love, then how do you even start, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So good for you to take it on. And I'm glad that you feel a little overwhelmed when you do it. So the first ser- sermon that you did was called show tough or tender love. And you looked at first Corinthians 13, you examined which traits were tough and which were tender. Were you surprised to see that God's definition for love was considerably more tender than tough. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so if, if uh, you're listening and you're not familiar, 
First Corinthians 13 is that famous love passage you sometimes hear at weddings. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not easily angered. So it's kind of a subjective call, but I divided it up. Well, you know, patient feels like a more tender characteristic. Um, you know, if you're holding on to the truth, that's a little bit more tough. And when I kind of divided it into those two categories, God's definition of love in that passage was a lot, a lot, a lot of tender and just a little bit of tough. And I, I maybe would have been surprised, but some of the favorite research I've done in all my years of being a pastor, obviously if people are listening and they can't see me like you can on the Zoom here, but I'm pointing right now on my shelf to the stack of note cards that I have. Do you know about those? I do. I remember. Yeah. So I, all the times that there's the God's, well, I'll let you explain it. You're much better at it, but yeah, so the positive it's all the, things that God has said about you, his people and his word. Correct? That's it. Yeah. It's so in the new Testament, I tracked every kind of tender thing. God calls his children. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're loved. You're forgiven. And then all the tough ones. Oh, you have little faith. You're still a sinner. And there were 682 total examples and 610 of them were positive. So for God's people who believe in Jesus, you know, even though we struggle and God could be, I mean, if you want to be a tough father in heaven, he could <laughs> lecture us all day, every day. Instead, he is so tender with the way he speaks because of the work of Jesus. So maybe when I got to first Corinthians 13, it's not shocking that God, he's, he's a gospel leaning God. He has a place for the law, but just like a good parent, he doesn't want to come down with the stick. He wants to show love and affection. And so imitating his love looks really similar to that. So do you oscillate towards tougher tender Ooh. in your own life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You sent me that question ahead of time. I, my honest answer was both because they can both be very convenient for me. Uh -huh. So sometimes it's easy to be tough just because like, well, here's the truth. If you don't believe it, that's on you. Boom. I'm done. Uh -huh. So I don't need to be patient with you. I don't need to be quick to listen. I can just confront you. I can flip over tables like Jesus and just think I'm being loving. Kind of convenient for me. It doesn't take much time. And sometimes when I want to be liked, well, I'll just let my light shine and I won't bring up the tough subject right now. And I'll just be patient. You know, these people need more time to hear the word. So I kind of thought if I want to be lazy, I'll yeah. choose tough. If I want to be liked, I'll choose tender. And so my, my sinful nature has a place for both of them. It's just a matter of choosing the right one at the right time from God's perspective. Hmm. So how have you found, or have you found something helpful in the situations as a pastor or as a father, or just in your community when you have to be tough? Hmm. Have you found any, you know, tips or, you know, yeah. that's not your natural tendency. That's not our natural tendency. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, two things. And then I want to ask you the same question. I'm curious if you're more tough or tender. Um, when I started as a pastor back in 2007, I was assigned to a church in Madison, Wisconsin. And there was a, uh, another pastor there named Glenn Schmigi, And he had been there for a couple decades, I think. And he had this great quote, even though I haven't uh, worked with him in about a decade, it still stuck with me. He always said, when you have to have a tough conversation as a pastor, his quote was, drip love mm. like you're going to give someone the truth but let them see it like in your expression let them hear it in the tone of your voice like if you got to say you're walking away from god 
like, let that choke you up. Like, uh, if you just want to leave your wife and run away with some girl because it feels good right now, like, I'm not going to see you in heaven. So he had a way of teaching me of say the tough thing, but say it in a tender way. So you don't have to shoot, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You know, Jesus, uh, Matthew 23, remember, he just goes off on the Pharisees, woe to you, you vipers, you snakes, you whitewashed tombs, and then he weeps. Yeah. Oh, I just, I wanted to gather you like a hen would gather her chicks, but you didn't want it. So I always remember that from Glenn Schmigge, drip love. And real quickly, my second bit of advice is follow up. So, you know, I can smash you in the face and you think, oh, that guy's a jerk and he hates me. But if I'm texting you the next day and say, hey, I know it was a really tough conversation. I've been thinking about a lot and praying. How are you doing? What have you been thinking about since we talked? And it just has a way of like, oh, he's not just trying to be a, a jerk and put me in my place and judge me. He actually cares about me. So those two things together, the follow-up and drip love are the best way that I know to approach it. Sounds like you had a really great experience with a pretty neat pastor to start your ministry, which is really, I mean, that's, yeah. that can form the way you do ministry. I mean, that just is really important. Oh, I can't imagine that. I mean, I did enough damage with my immaturity as a young pastor without him there to kind of balance me out. We're very different personality wise, like, and the church just needed him in so many ways. So I'm grateful for him. How about yeah. you? Do you? Do you lean towards at home with the kids, with your husband, at work, at church? Are you like the, here's the truth, Amber's <laughs> dropping bombs, quoting Habakkuk, it's just the word. <laughs> so let me ask you, because I can see you, give me a T like technical foul if you think it's tough, or a cross if you think I'm tender, which, okay. which is your guess. From listening to your podcasts, you strike me as like... I think you lean towards the tough side of things. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, exactly. I think, in fact, when you said how much damage you did at the beginning of your ministry, I was a camp counselor for like three years, and I think I sent several kids to therapy. I mean, and I'm not joking. Oh. So they put me in the nature cabin to do a creative writing class, and I was doing camp stories. And of course, during one of our sessions, the mama mouse had babies. So all the kids, you know, went by the glass of the aquarium and they're watching. Well, the next day, the camp caretaker comes in and starts feeding mice to the toad. Like they raise the mice to feed them <laughs> to the snakes and the toads, right? Like he comes at the end of class. We're still talking and he's feeding. So one girl was just sobbing. She was going absolutely crazy. And I thought I was being helpful saying, <laughs> you know, this is the circle of life out in nature. This happens all the time. Little birds get eaten by big birds. And then I was like, in fact, it's dinner time. Do you have any idea what we're eating tonight? You did not. I did. <laughs> I did, Mike. I'm like, you know, those hamburgers we're having, do you have any idea what that was last year? <laughs> I know I didn't realize. I thought I was being you know, first of all, I'm in Wisconsin and I thought everybody in Wisconsin knew, Yeah. you know, there are fields of cows. And yep. so, I mean, I'm legendary for the amount of times that I probably did things to children that caused therapy. So <laughs> definitely tough, <laughs> have a long ways to go, have gotten better, but yeah, mm. definitely, definitely tough. Wow. Unfortunately, because 
this series definitely showed <laughs> that is leaning the wrong way. So that's good. Uh, I have lots to learn. Uh, don't we all? The second sermon was called, isn't Jesus on my side? And I have to commend you because you went through the whole book of John and this, that has to be, is that a record? I mean, for the amount of material covered in a sermon for you or is, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a quantity over quality message. <laughs> it was, but it's good. A whole lot of people just want to focus on Jesus being tender, but there's a danger to that. So what is the danger of just focusing on the part of Jesus teaching that we like? Um, I mean, not to be drastic about it, but you could end up with zero Jesus. You know, those people who were just about the tenderness and, oh yeah, you know, I'm a believer and I'm a follower. And he would tell those like chilling stories on the last day. I'm going to say, I never knew you. Like you, you didn't do the will of my father. I know who you are. You know, person's living in sin, deceiving themselves saying, oh, I have faith. I have faith, but they don't have works. Like just leaning towards the tenderness and love. He'll take care of it. It's fine. I don't have to repent. I don't have to change. I don't have to turn around on the sinful path that I'm on. So, you know, you can think, oh yeah, Jesus died for me, the tender side and totally miss out on repentance, which means you don't really have Christian faith. Or you could be so focused on the like, oh, you got to do what he says and he, he has commandments and don't be ashamed of his words and I'm, I'm following. But if I don't know the tenderness of the gospel, I mean, you can try to obey the commands of Jesus, but that won't save you. Like Galatians 3.10, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. So if, if you don't get both tough and tender Jesus, it's almost like you only get repentance, but no faith in the gospel or only supposed faith in the gospel, but no repentance, which actually really isn't faith. So yeah, if, if you don't get the whole Jesus, you, you really don't get any of Jesus in the end. And a lot of people, unfortunately do this on purpose. I remember working with a girl who called herself a cafeteria Christian. She took what she wanted out of the Bible and put back what she didn't, Ooh. you know, the, <laughs> you hadn't heard that before, huh? Oh, I haven't. Yeah. And the, it really was telling going through the book of John because you pointed out over and over and over. I mean, Jesus was tender meeting with Nicodemus in the middle of the night and told him, you know, rebuked him. You're mm -hmm. Israel's leader and mm -hmm. you don't know this stuff. He healed the cripple and then said, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. He fed the people. And then he said, look, I'm the bread of life. And mm -hmm. they all walked away from this hard teaching. Yep. You know, I mean, it's, it's there, but I think until somebody points it out, yeah. we don't necessarily see it or recognize it. Yeah. And that struck me because this is John's gospel and John is famous for the word love. So yeah. love each other, Jesus washing feet, God so loved the world. This is how we know what love has no one greater than to give up his life. And it it really was eye-opening as I start yeah. like, I wonder if, if Jesus is tough and tender in every chapter and 21 straight chapters he is. Absolutely. So you, you the, just can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, Mary anointing Jesus and pouring that out and him, you know, commending her for it. And then Judas, you know, being mm. like, Hey, what are you doing? And Jesus yeah. saying, Hey, the poor are always going to be with you. So it was, yep. it was a really neat thing that I had never recognized before. And I think a lot of people will see it. It is very evident that yeah. Jesus was both not yeah. one or the other. You, you have to have the grace and the truth. Exactly. I'm doing a, a small group right now 
Um, we're, and we're actually reading through the gospel of John one chapter a week. And my group is super diverse. Uh, we have a, a person or two who's like not all in with Jesus. A couple, was it last night? Yeah, one of the guys said he's agnostic. Bunch of people newly baptized, bunch of us who are longtime Christians. And just, you know, we'll read a section of a chapter. And almost always after we get done reading, doesn't matter what chapter, what section, someone will go, oh, <laughs> like Jesus says something so fierce. You're like, oh, what's, what's going to happen next? Like, what would happen if you said that to someone? You're not Abraham's children. You're children of the devil. He says to the religious people. <laughs> oh, so just hearing people who've never read the Bible before just come face to face with the real Jesus and watching their reactions and hearing their reactions, you, you just can't avoid it. That's who he was. So Mike, here's a very telling thing. You oscillate towards tender. I know that because you chose the, the book of John for your small group study. I chose the book of Judges. <laughs> and then they all died. They, <laughs> Everyone went their own way. God sold them into slavery. And Amber looks up from her Bible, looks everyone in the eye and says, don't. <laughs> Snap Bible shut. Who wants to pray? <laughs> no one. We are all going home. Thanks, Amber. Great night. Great study. Way to go. Pick up your 20% off therapy coupon <laughs> out the door. Amber is still sending people to therapy. Shocking. Oh, man. Man. Okay. You made sure to note that in Jesus' day, a lot of people didn't agree with his teaching. In fact, he said to his disciples, if they hate you, don't worry, they hated me first. Are we doing a good enough job of standing apart as Christians and teaching our young people that to follow Jesus' teaching is really going to put them at odds with the rest of the world pretty much all the time? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that's clear. Like just pointing out the... I mean, sometimes we think, oh, you know, Christianity has this image problem because we're not loving and we're hypocrites. And there's certainly a big, big, big kernel of truth in that. But it should make you think that when love itself was walking on earth and he had three years to start a church, he got it up to 120 people. And that was because he like raised some of those people from the dead. And they were dying and he cured their sickness and they were demon possessed. Like he, he did dozens of miracles and he was perfectly loved. He like balanced this perfectly and he could not, could not, you know, he, he did not grow a big yeah. church. So I, I think for kids to just read the gospel of John or the book of Acts or any of the Bible <laughs> and realize, Hey, it's never been a popular thing to not let people be God. You know, that's the story of judges, right? Everyone wants to do as they see fit. And in our day, people like the idea of God as long as he submits to their truth and their and their life. So I think it's good for kids to know like, hey, this is hard. We, we all want to put ourselves first. And if you come with a message that God is love, but he gets to make the, the choices and set the standards, like people will hate that. It will be intolerant and bigoted and judgmental and hateful, not because you're mean about it, but just because you're not letting them sit on the throne and wear the crown. So I, in my opinion, we should be with our kids, um, with our students, with the next generation. Let's just be honest. Um, in the church that I walked into here in Appleton, the original pastor, before you left, 
it was a quote from Jesus from John 13. If the world hates you, it hated me first. <laughs> See you next week. It's so, true though. Yeah. I, I teach kids. I, I teach seventh and eighth graders this year, both Sunday school and Bible history. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, you're walking out of this class, you're getting confirmed. And when you get to college, if you're going to keep living this, you might be the only one on your dorm floor getting up on Sunday morning to go to church. Hmm. You may be the only one who's not going to the party on Saturday night. I mean, hmm. it can be a very lonely thing. Hmm. It's not necessarily persecution as much as it is, you know, standing apart and being hmm. different. And I think, you know, we all want to fit in. I want to fit in. I yeah. still want to fit in today. And so, and for teens and young adults too, I mean, they're no different. They, they also want to fit in and to know that it can be very, very lonely, but man, if you get into a good campus ministry group and find those other people who are lonely on their dorm floors and mm. get together with them and go to church together on Sunday morning, then there's two of you or there's yeah. three of you. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's good to prepare kids because otherwise you go with the expectation that, oh, you know, I will not be the only one. Well, you very well may be the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. It's better to be lonely with a clean conscience mm. than in the crowd with a burdened one. Oh, that's good. Very good. What about um, us in the church? I mean, I know your old pastor was preparing the people, but mm. you know, have do you subscribe to or do you? read voice of the martyrs at all? Um, I'm familiar with it. I haven't read it uh, probably in about a year. Okay. But it seems like in America, we're not, I mean, well, how can we, you know, we haven't, we haven't lived it to the extent that they have in Sudan mm -hmm. or in Korea, North Korea, you know, so we, we couldn't know that reading a Bible could mean death. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, I think for us, it's hard to understand that in other places in the world, this is a very real thing. It is yeah. life or death to follow Jesus. It is yep. not a, it, it's your job hmm. or it's your family. You know, you, hmm. you're kicked out of your family yeah. for not being the right religion. And, and you are homeless as hmm. a 13, 14, 15 year old beaten, you know, so many things. So I think we've had it easy in America mm -hmm. for a really long time. So maybe mm -hmm. we don't understand yep. that other people in other parts of the world experience this yeah. in extreme ways. Yeah. They're much more closer to what was happening to the apostles than we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we think someone says a nasty thing on a time of grace, Facebook post and oh, the persecution, <laughs> Right. It's like, but I'm not afraid to walk into church and you know, film the next episode for time of grace. Like someone's going to walk in and assault me because I have a Bible in my hand. So yeah, you're right. We, yeah. we, we need to toughen up a bit. I think we play the persecution card too quickly. And you just read, even in the Sermon on the Mount, very early on, Jesus says in Matthew 5, um, blessed are you when you're persecuted because of righteousness. Rejoice and be glad because that's how they treated the prophets who were before you. So Instead of like saying, oh, we got to do whatever to avoid persecution, like, let's just do whatever to be faithful. And if we're persecuted or ignored or excluded because of it, let's be happy. Like, oh my goodness, I'm standing with Jesus. Maybe they're getting drunk. Maybe they're ignoring the commandments, but, but they're not standing with Jesus. Here I am mm -hmm. with the son of God. Like, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> so rejoice and be glad that you're living in the presence of God because you're being faithful to him. Yeah. And you're in really good company. Wasn't it Peter and John who were arrested and they mm. rejoiced that they were persecuted yep. for the sake of Christ? 
Yeah. So if you are, you're in really good company. Yeah. Amen. The third sermon. Um, what's my first love. And you talk about disordered loves. This was a really great sermon because so many things that go wrong. I mean, when we rub each other the wrong way, it's because you have your loves and your priorities in a different order than I might have. Hmm. And then Christians, you, you went through the catechism. So we had brought up the catechism the last time and you brought up the first commandment, which is you shall have no other gods before me. And you mentioned how that should be the number one for Christians. So we might have a certain set of uh, order to our loves, but then we're living in this world hmm. that has a completely different order to things. Yep. I remember last time when you were explaining the catechism and you brought up the small and the large catechism. Correct. Luther's Luther wrote both. And you said, the small catechism is like a question and answer, whereas the large catechism is essays. So we had our conversation on Wednesday. I went to teach that night, went a couple minutes early, went to check out my church library, which if you're not accustomed to your church library, they are awesome. That's where I get all my books. That's why I can't write in them. And I couldn't find it. So I went to my pastor's office and I said, Hey, do we have a copy of the large catechism? And he came out and he pulled out this book that was like huge. (laughs) And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not interested in that. It was the book of Concord. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Which includes the Augsburg confession, all these things that I'm saving for eternity. (laughs) I will, I will read those in eternity when I have more time. But so he pulls this out and he says, Luther's large catechism is like 75 pages in this book. Yep. I brought it home. We had it for devotions. We started the first commandment. It is phenomenal. Yes. As in by the third night, I closed the book and I said, we're not reading this anymore because Mike, Uh I bought my own copy so I could write in it. Yeah. I think he might be putting the 95 theses on our church doors. If Luther was alive today. Oh, so the section, I mean, first, second, third commandments, right? First commandment. He is hard hitting. Like you, you don't find your security in anything else. Mm. And I'm just thinking, Oh, Americans like our retirement accounts. Mm. We go to the grocery store and we have all the food that we need. We have pantries. We have freezers. Mm. We have for Americans, I think this is kind of convicting second Hmm. commandment, the use of God's name. Hmm. There is never a time you should use God's name. I mean, look at all of our emojis and OM. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the third commandment. Do you know what the purpose of holidays are for the holidays are a time when we are to focus on God and his word and come together Last Thanksgiving, well, let's just put it this way. Many, many people on Thanksgiving Mm. forget to go to church because they're so busy making food. Mm. And then they spend the rest of Thanksgiving looking at the brochures, what more to buy. Mm. So I think Luther may be a little bit, I mean, because it's not just the world. This Mm. Christians have become an awful lot like the world 
Yeah. Yeah. You're onto something. Yeah. And if I hope Amber's eye-opening revelation is an encouragement to just go on Amazon or online and get a copy of Luther's large catechism because he really does unpack. You're talking about what it actually means to love God, right? Love God and love neighbor. We're talking about the 10 commandments. The first three are going to cover God. So what does it look like to love him more than the world or trust in him more than my bank accounts or find greater joy in gathering with his people than good Friday shopping? This stuff isn't wrong. It's just a matter of the order of that love. So what am I most excited about? Where do I find my most comfort in? And those are the truly convicted. It isn't, do you believe in God? The demons believe that and shudder, the book of James says. You know, the question is, what is God the first love? Um, he's, he's worthy of it. Um, he made us his first love and pursuing our salvation. So yeah, Luther, uh, he, he was very tender and then he could be very, very tough. So very convicting. You know how in the old Testament, I think it was King Joash who, who was King at seven, age seven, I think. And then they found the book of the law. Uh, Josiah. Yep. It was a Josiah. Thank I think you. so. Yeah. I felt the same way reading this. Like I have found I'm old. I <laughs> oh, you were close there. You were close. I, I don't know the I'm answer to old. that question. <laughs> I'm old and I have never ever. And I, I, and I, and I'm searching for books on things like this and I have never come across this. Mm. And I felt like, why, why mm. is this not something that we are routinely doing for Bible studies? This is this is phenomenal. And, and this, this should be part of our normal. I mean, we bear the name Lutheran. I do. <laughs> yeah. Well said. All right, man, there's no better pitch right now to pause this podcast and order this book that is rocking Amber's spiritual life. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Some, it went on no, a tangent. Not at all. No, just like when you actually see like grace and truth without it being watered down, it, it smacks you right in the soul in convicting and comforting ways. I mean, just the, the raw law without, oh, it's okay. You got family coming over or it's a busy season. The kids have sports of it. It's your only day off. Like we're, we're just used to excuses for sinning against the law. And Luther's like, no, it's love God more. It's the first commandment on the list. Let me write a whole chapter. So you understand what that means. Amen. And when you actually see it with eyes wide open, you're like, oh, yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. Now I need Jesus a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you come running to the cross. Fourth sermon was called, I'm supposed to love those people. And I just kept thinking about the episode in Joshua chapter five, where the commander of God's army comes and meets Joshua and Joshua immediately says, are you for us or our enemies? And he said, neither, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come and we love to choose sides. Mm -hmm. We, we want to say it. Well, God is on our side. The reason I believe this is because God is on our side, but God doesn't take the side of humans. God is mm -hmm. his own. We take his side, but not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Why is this concept so important? Oh man. So, uh, seven years into marriage, uh, my wife, Kim and I needed, uh, some help 
So we reached out to a counselor and I was so hoping that this counselor would be tender with me and tough with Kim. Like doc, I've tried my best to communicate to Kim what she needs to change. <laughs> Obviously, she needs someone with a professional degree for you. Let me just write this down, what you should say to her so she believes you. Yeah. So I think of that. God is what well, Jesus has called in Isaiah 9, a wonderful counselor. Um, wonderful counselors don't say, oh, it's, it's all you and you're the problem. Like they stand on what's true and good and healthy. They call people to both pursue that together. And if they do, it'll turn out good and true and healthy. So, um, yeah, that concept is huge for us. Because if I'm, you know, Jesus would say it, you, you might see a plank or a speck in your brother's eye. But whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'm, I'm on the side of truth, not on your side. Even, even if they're wrong, let's deal with you first. So if you don't, if you think God is on your side and Thank you, God. I'm not like those people. You end up a proud Pharisee who never repents, who's never humble, who never reconciles, and who never actually loves people because you're always going to be tough because you think they need to change and you're never going to be tender because they're the sinner and you're not. So th thankfully, that was many years ago. I, th I think I'm closer to like, oh, yeah, I'm mostly the problem here. <laughs> I really <laughs> want to interview Kim right now. <laughs> She, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just he, gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna this is really happens to me, but it is. <laughs> wow, Amber, it's always it's always fun talking to you. I'm amazed at how fast the time goes. So, and if people are listening on thing. double speed, it's even faster. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for sticking with me and Amber. I hope you're having a great day. That you're growing in faith. I hope we uh, that you enjoy our uh, sermon series called "What Is Love." Man. It's a challenge to love people, but God is worthy. And I think this series is going to help you realize how much God loved you first. So have a great day and God bless you.